Hey there. Welcome to 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. I'm Lindsay, and I'm joined by my co-host and real-life partner, Carling. We're diving into the 90s hit drama through today's lens. Get ready for our off-the-cuff commentary and peeling back the layers of the Camden family. We'll tackle everything from family rules, life lessons, and 90s fashion. Join us every week for a light-hearted queer perspective and a trip down memory lane. Whether you're a die-hard fan or new to the show, this recap is for you. So find us anywhere you get your podcasts at 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. I don't know if I should. My friends are like, you didn't drive very well with legs. You want to just drive with hands? Happy Friday. <laughs> happy Friday. You know what? It's not happy Friday when you're a parent. It's such a myth. That's true because Friday. No days off. Yeah. Well, and Friday means you have all five kids all weekend. <laughs> yeah. Whereas now at least you have the reprieve of like three of them have daycare. So Michelle, tell me about your week. So... So Friday, you and your partner came over and taught all the kids t-ball. Yeah. Well, not you, but your Lindy taught them. Hey, I, I was outfield. You were there. Back catcher. Yeah, you caught stuff and hit some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So um, everyone was really excited. Everyone loved the ball. And I think Lindy was very excited that she had a few little like prospects. Um, <clears throat> Lindy just wants to be a t-ball coach. I love that. So on Sunday, my kids were outside playing on their bikes and their scooters and whatnot. And then Kate, my five-year-old, came in screaming her head off. And she had, all I could see was blood. It was like all over her wrist. So she had fallen and skinned her wrist uh, quite badly. It was like, I don't even know what size, maybe like a golf ball size. Well, and uh, it should be said, Kate doesn't. Cry. She like, doesn't cry. She doesn't feel pain. Which she is, gets hurt all the time and she's yes. like, I'm fine. Yeah. She'll like literally fall, hit her head, like all these things and you're waiting for her to like freak out and she doesn't. Um, so when she was crying like that, I knew that there was something wrong. And so at first I thought it was just the cut that was hurting her um, because she literally, like, the skin was gone. Yeah. And so I washed it. I put band-aids on it. And then I, but then I looked closely at her wrist and saw that it was like definitely the wrong shape oh (laughs) so and just the way that she was crying and she couldn't put any pressure on it and um I just had a feeling that it was broken so we went to urgent care we go and she gets an x-ray and it turns out it's broken they cast her she was really like really emotional not feeling well, feeling like she was going to throw up. And my uh, older daughter broke her wrist right around the same age. And, and she was kind of doing the same thing, like going into shock, oh. not feeling good, feeling like she was going to throw up. Uh, she was crying because she wanted to see Nana. And then we FaceTime with you to kind of distract her a little bit. So that worked. Um, and then when they told her it was broken and asked her what color of cast she wanted, she got really excited. <laughs> so that kind of fixed it like she wanted a purple cast so they casted her up to her elbow or just below her elbow and then they came back a few minutes later and said well the radiologist looked at the x-ray again and it turns out she broke both 
of the bones in her wrist. So we need to cast her up to her armpit. So then they had to make the cast bigger. They just kind of built onto what was already there. So yeah, so she's had a cast up to her armpit since Sunday. We have to go on Wednesday to get another x-ray and maybe they'll change the cast. I don't know. But what a trooper. Like, because literally she got home and got back on one of her toys. Yeah. And was scooting around. She said, it's not fair because I just want to go back on my scooter. Yeah. Like, kids are so resilient and my older daughter was the same way. Like, she broke her wrist and she had to be put under so they could reset it and she didn't even, like... The recovery was like nothing ever happened, right? Like, she's back on the swing. She's back playing. Dogs and and kids, man. If that was me, if I broke my wrist, I would like, I would take to the bed for like two Mm. weeks. (laughs) Take to the bed. You're like, I can't do it, guys. Like, yeah. But yeah, no kids are strong. So she's fine. She's been going back to daycare and um, we all kind of wrote on her cast and signed it and everything and. I do yeah. like that she tried once to get out of chores, and I was like, no, it's okay. I yeah. put chores for you that you could do with just one hand. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, oh. Oh, damn it. She outsmarted <laughs> me. Um, but it's kind of funny because I posted that she had broken her wrist, and so many people are like, oh, my gosh. Like, I hope she's okay and all this stuff. And I don't know if it's a perspective thing, but, like, after the worst happens to you, you kind of realize, like, stuff like this isn't a big deal. Like, yeah. Like, of course, you want your kids to be healthy and and not broken right but i don't know but yeah so kids much break stuff can happen and um i'm just not like worried about that kind of stuff anymore like she had her helmet on she was you know yeah she was safe that way um and that's what i t- try to tell my kids all the time like they can fix bones but they can't fix brains and yeah you know so a broken wrist is just a broken wrist right yeah. like she's fine everything's cool so Wow. That's what was my new. week? What was my thing? Um, you were like, oh, you should talk about... Yeah, because we ran errands the other day. And then as we were coming back from the errands, we saw something that made you very sad. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I don't know. Well, we posted it on our Instagram story and we also made a TikTok out of it. But we saw a deer with a crooked front leg and he was limping. Mm-hmm. And, like, right away, I was like, okay, we need to rescue him. Will he fit in the back of this car? Where can I take him? He would have. He would have fit in the back of my vehicle. Yeah. And so I called, like, Alberta Fish and Wildlife, and they said, you know, with wildlife, as long as they're up and moving and have access to food and water, like, we just leave them. Because they'll kind of heal. They'll heal, and, like, okay, if he has a limp, it'll still heal. Mm-hmm. And... I started, and they said, if otherwise, like, if he's incapacitated, can't move, we'll come and euthanize him. And then I started crying on the phone to the lady, and I was like, okay, never mind, he's fine, Thanks. Pretend I didn't call. Bye. <laughs> um, and she My said, name is not Charlie. <laughs> and she said, there's not really, like, a place where we live where there's, like, a, there's no rehabilitation. They wouldn't take it and bring it somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, like, reset it and put a little cast on it. Do you think part of it is because there's so many deer? Like, Yeah, and I think, like, I could imagine, like, what would be the risk of, like, partially domesticating it? Like, you don't want them to have much human contact because one of their survival mechanisms is the fear of humans. Right, and they have, like, they travel in families, right? Yeah. So, if you take it away from its family, then how do you, like... 
reintegrate it, it back. It's like a whole thing. Yeah. Well, anyway, we left it with, I need to start a rehabilitation ranch. Yeah. And then he could just live there. I would have named him Scout or something cute. And... Um, the best part of that story, though, was that, I mean, besides the crying, was <laughs> that I had gotten out to get my mail, and that's when we saw that the deer was limping. And <laughs> it literally started, like, walking straight towards me, and I'm like, uh... Carling. <laughs> and I was like, you're fine. You're fine. I'm looking for a phone number. Yeah. And so she was like on her phone looking for a phone number, but it was like walking closer and closer to me and I didn't know what to do. Well, it didn't have antlers. No, I know. What was it going to do? Kick you with its hurt leg? You could like headbutt me or something. <laughs> <laughs> I would have recorded it. I'd have been like, hang on, I'm just going to put this on TikTok. Oh my gosh. But there's so many deer in, uh, in the town that I live and there's so many deer in my yeah. neighborhood. The other day, I came home after dropping the twins off at daycare, and there was a mama and her, like, two little baby deers. That's very sweet. It was so cute. So maybe the deer with the hurt arm tried to mess with Mm -hmm. the mama deer, and the mama deer did that as a lesson. Not today. Yeah. So. You probably deserved it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. We don't know the story. Who am I to judge? Exactly. He's probably a jerk deer. Yeah. But anyways, I'm sure he'll be fine. Um, I had a therapy appointment this morning and shout out to Megan. I told her we talk about our therapists (laughs) often. Um, and she's just so funny. She's like, she told me I'm not allowed to think people are judging me when I'm in public. Well, yeah. And I was like, but I judge people. She's like, okay, well, you're a bitch, so. She was like, okay, well, maybe we need to reframe it, and, like, maybe if you stop judging people. You'll think that other people nobody... aren't judging you. I feel like that, too, where it's, like, everyone's looking at me, everyone's. Yeah. And it, honestly, like, nobody is, and they're so self-absorbed in their own thing. Like, I think for the most part, like, nobody really cares. Maybe. I don't know. But I wanted to sit down on your therapy appointment this morning. I know. I had to do it at your house because our Wi-Fi was down at my yeah. house. Yeah. And so I had to come here and use your Wi-Fi. And I was like, can I just sit in? And, <laughs> <laughs> and be like, hey, Megan, I just want to make sure she talks about this, 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 this. <laughs> no, seriously, I love her so much. And she thinks we're funny. She thinks we're funny. I'm going to send her a link to our podcast, so maybe she'll listen to it. All we care about is that people think we're funny. Honestly, <laughs> that's, all, that's all we want. So hey. if you think we're, we're funny, tell us. People have said... Yeah. Like, people we don't know have said they think we're funny, so... Yeah. I mean, we must be doing something right. I think so. And we had our third Patreon episode go up, and I think it's really good. Yeah, the sound quality's really good. Even, like, listening to our first couple episodes, like, guys, you've got to admit, our sound quality has gotten better. I think so, yeah. Our editing, I think, is getting better. I think that's just with a lot of, like, podcasts, though. Like, you kind of have to go through the kinks and... And you can't, you don't really know until you just do it, right? Yeah. So. And that was Amanda's advice, like, mm-hmm. just start. Just start and our kind friend, of work it out. Yeah. Our friend who has the Amanda Loves to Hate Teen Mom podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, your first few episodes are not going to be great. Like, the sound quality won't be good. Mm-hmm. So maybe we're almost there. We'll but I find there. that with, like, every single podcast that I listen to. Like, yeah. you go back to the very beginning and everyone, they're all just trying to work out their kinks. kinks and, and, yeah. Um... But yeah, nice segue, Michelle. We do have Patreon, um, and guys, we're having so much fun posting to it. So if you join our Patreon, um, it's a monthly subscription, and you get bonus material. So Michelle and I cover our childhood traumas and drama stories. (laughs) 
Um, and we um, also cover true crime stories. We post once a month like a behind the scenes video. Um, the first one we did was us on a bike ride, oh, and wow. it was kind of funny. And also, guys, we posted on Facebook the other day. We're trying to, you know, part of creating a podcast is we obviously want to be successful, and we obviously want um, people to share. To, yeah, like we want people to listen because that's why we're doing this, uh-huh. and we think the people we interview are really interesting and have interesting stories to tell that are relatable. So we're just kind of asking everybody that, um, you know, if you like our podcast, maybe share it on Facebook, share it on Instagram, tell a friend about it. Um, and we would just love it so much and leave a review on like iTunes. You could leave reviews. We have a few five star reviews. Uh Um, so yeah, it would just mean the world to us. It would. So we're going to interview someone shortly. Yeah. Yeah, We're interviewing a friend of a friend named Na Mm -hmm. and I heard her story a few years ago. So she has lupus and kidney disease and her story is incredible. So I'm, I'm really excited. I like that she, at first she was like, I don't know, like, do I really have anything to talk about? And I was like, um, nah, like you had a double leg amputation. You had a kidney transplant. Mm -hmm. You had to custom build a house, um, to be accessible. And there were some roadblocks. And then she was like, yeah, all right. Yeah, I guess I've got a story. (laughs) So, um, I've seen some of her YouTube videos and she's really funny and personable and she also has a sense of humor about her situation yeah all right well let's get to it let's give her a call well why don't we get started it's so good to like i don't know virtually meet you i know we've already (laughs) met before but um, yeah, why don't we start off by just having like a quick intro, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, my name's Na Wong. I'm married. My previous name was Chow, so I grew everybody referred to me as Nacho. Oh, um, because of <laughs> Na Chow, so like everybody just calls me Nacho. Um Oh, I I'm wonder where that to... came from because that's like on your Instagram <laughs> name. Yeah. Well, it's funny cuz I'm always Nacho Mouse everywhere I go. And it came from like junior high because I was obsessed with Mickey Mouse and like well if Nacho married Mickey Mouse she'd be Nacho Mouse Aww. so that's where it came from so it's really weird when I go to a new platform and I try to use the the name Nacho Mouse and someone else has taken it yeah you're like and I'm you like know. what you wanted There's to marry one. Mickey Mouse too yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> you were also obsessed with the cartoon no yeah but, yeah uh, <laughs> uh, I'm married with uh, two dogs our oldest is four, and she's a Lhasa Apsil Shih Tzu mix, and uh, her name's Butter, and we just recently got Cookie um, seven months ago, so she just returned one last month, Aww. and she is crazy, like crazy. <laughs> we were going to actually hold another birthday party for her like we did for Butter, yeah, um, but uh, yeah, because of COVID, we couldn't do that. Oh, I love it. Yeah, yeah we brought, I brought my dog Lola to her birthday party. And they were like so yeah. funny just running around together. <laughs> well, it was, I, I didn't realize how many dogs would be there. And there were so many dogs. Like, <laughs> it was overwhelming. But, Listen, uh, if you're a party for a dog, like people show up. Yeah. Yeah. Like people, like people who 
I didn't invite because they didn't have dogs were offended I didn't invite them. And oh, my God. <laughs> and they were like, but we would have enjoyed playing with other people's dogs. I'm like, oh, well, there wasn't enough room for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Amazing. Um, so you have uh, lupus and, and kidney disease, right? Right. Like, I got diagnosed um, in 1999. So I was like 19 at the time. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, I was in my second semester of school. And, uh, yeah, I was told I was told on Bermuda short stay by the walk-in clinic on campus that uh, she thought I had lupus. Wow. And, uh, and, like, what does that look like? Like, what were your symptoms that somebody in a walk-in clinic could say that? Well, I my number one symptom at the time was fatigue. So in December, I had gone on a ski trip with um, a school club, like a campus club, and when I got back, I wasn't feeling that great. And I just thought I caught a flu from the ski trip. And yeah. like, it just, my number one symptom was fatigue. And I was like falling asleep in class, falling asleep studying. And um, it was uh, when I fell asleep at the wheel, driving home from school one night, um, that I realized something might be wrong. Oh, wow. And, yeah, I, like, woke up, like, seconds away from a park vehicle. Thank God it was, like, in the middle of the night and nobody else was around. Yeah. But uh, I that was when I realized, I'm like, okay, something's wrong. Like, to be so tired that I was falling asleep everywhere. Um, yeah. There must be something wrong. Like, I didn't even think it was anything serious. I didn't research. I'm not the type to research anything. I'm not, like, I don't refer to Dr. Google ever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> about anything. So I didn't look up anything. I went to the walk-in clinic just thinking that they'd give me some pills and I'd feel better. But they sent me for a lot of blood work. And um, then she called me back. And it just so happened my appointment was on Bermuda Shorts Day. Um, and Bermuda Shorts Day on campus is like, do you guys a know party. what that is? Yeah. yeah it's yeah. like a huge party. There's beer gardens on campus. I actually left the beer garden to go to the doctor's appointment. And oh, uh, I was, I was like, I was pretty much like, really tipsy at that time and I just remember the walk-in clinic doctor just handed me some newspaper clippings articles about what lupus was and this is what she felt I had and that she was going to refer me on to a rheumatologist which was the um lupus oh my goodness it's hailing outside uh, oh are you, are you in the north yeah well, we're in like the right south and it just finished here like just about oh. twelve thirty. it finished hailing and raining here so it must oh have goodness. just been moving north. Can you hear it? It's so yeah, loud. crazy. <laughs> I can't turn that off, guys. No, no, no that's. Not- <laughs> <laughs> um, that's I can't, I couldn't imagine like walking into a walk-in clinic on campus a little bit tipsy, thinking like, oh, I probably you know maybe just have an infection or a virus or something, yeah. and then be given that information. That must have been like an instant kind of sober situation where you're like what the heck no actually i went back to the bear gardens (laughs) (laughs) i just stuck yeah at that time like i didn't i don't think it like because you never heard about lupus ever right and i just thought like it was just like maybe i was deficient in something or or whatever like i just didn't think it was serious i just stuck the things in my backpack and continued on wow yeah and so and so what is lupus then? So how how I describe it to my friends, the, well, the full name is systemic lupus, and I'm going to butcher this, but it's 
erythematosus. Oh. And so the it's like um so how I describe SLE is that your immune system gets confused and instead of protecting its body, like your body, it starts turning around and attacking it. Oh, okay. So you're basically your body, your whole all your anything in your body is game, and usually the first thing it attacks is skin. So there's oh. a form of lupus called discoid lupus, which is just lupus that impacts the skin. Um, but usually, like in hindsight, I had more symptoms than just fatigue. I had like the um, they call it a butterfly rash. It's like it looks like a butterfly is like laying across your your nose. Oh, um, and then also inflammation of my joints, like my hands hurt and stuff. Oh, okay. but like I didn't like think anything of it at the time. But yeah, so that's how I describe it. And they often refer to lupus as like the disease with a thousand faces, because everybody's past with lupus will look extremely different. Oh and wow! So yeah, that's what the lupus society here calls it. It's the disease with a thousand faces. Wow. So with me, how lupus looked was I got diagnosed with lupus along with kidney disease. And so, so lupus had started that... attacking my kidneys. Oh, okay. okay. So you got kidney disease because of your lupus. Correct. Wow. And so you're 19. And like, what does that look like? Like at 19, I was, yeah, like drunk in a beer garden somewhere. <laughs> yeah. And I continued to do that. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't stop. And then that summer, because um, I accepted two positions, so I was working like 14 hours a day because I had already accepted a full-time position at a gas station, my gas station, which was my part-time job. Okay. But I had already applied for a summer position at an office, but I didn't think I got it because I didn't hear back from them. So I accepted the full-time offer from my um, part-time job, but okay. then they came back and they offered me a job at the office and I couldn't say no, but I had already committed. So I ended up making it work. I worked from seven to three at the office job. And then I ran and worked from four to 11 at my gas station oh my job. God. Wow. So I did that for about two months. And I remember the rheumatologist called their office called and said they had a cancellation and wanted me to come in earlier. And I remember saying to them, I couldn't because I'm too busy. <laughs> <laughs> and that I had already reserved like that date, like the date, yeah. my original date to take my, the day off of both jobs to go to this appointment. So they, they just said, okay, because I had said no. And then I just went to my original appointment. And shortly after that, I think my body just gave out because I was just working myself to the ground. Yeah. So I ended up putting myself in the hospital. And it was kind of a blessing, too, because... I was, they were still doing investigations. And if you're in, in hospital, it's a lot faster to get everything done. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So while I was admitted, the nephrologist is like, this is kind of worked out. I had a kidney clot, so they were able to deal with that. They did the biopsy and everything they needed to do to diagnose my, the stage of kidney disease I had and everything like that. So I was in the hospital for a good three weeks. And then that was oh, when no. it kind of kicked in that this was a little bit more serious than just a deficiency. And was your family um, really like supportive or were they sort of just as sort of, I don't know, like relaxed about it as you were up until this point? Well, I think because I was so relaxed, they were pretty relaxed because um, I have three siblings. So I have a younger brother who's 10 years younger than me. Oh, wow. And so at the time this happened, he was only nine, 10 years old. And then I had, 
I have two older siblings, so we always had family dinner. So I told them at family, like at our dinner, that you know, I have this disease that's called lupus. And then of course my mom started talking to her friends, and then the crazy Asian mother came out like, I have there. There's a cure in Vietnam. I've gotten a friend. They're bringing it back. I'm gonna give it to you when they get back. Oh, oh, I remember. Um, she took me to like a house in Applewood that had converted their garage into a a therapy room and I just remember it was like a room full of strangers they made me lay on my stomach and like they just all hovered over my body and at that time I was so fatigued I just took a nap yeah so I just just allowed my mom to do whatever she needed to do to make herself yeah yeah like like feel better because I I'm really calm when it comes to these kinds of things whereas like she's not Mm -hmm. so so yeah oh sorry was there any indication before um, this fatigue that anything was Maybe. wrong? Like, is lupus something that just kind of comes on? Well, they say, so lupus usually comes on when you have a change, in either in environment, stress. And so it's, it mostly uh, impacts um, girls going through puberty because oh. so much hormonal changes. So a lot of um, hormonal changing, like teenagers will have symptoms of lupus. And usually they say that lupus, um, everybody has it, but it's dormant and it has like something has to happen to you for it to become active. Wow. Is what I read on it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But like you could have it and not even know it because it just does not impact anything that you're doing. But when I was 16, like when you're 16, you're still going through puberty and stuff, but I always had like menstrual issues, like pain, like a lot of pain. And um, I'd miss school and stuff. And then every time we w- went to the doctors, um, they'd always say, oh, um, it's, it's puberty, it's puberty, it's puberty. And then to the point that I went for an ultrasound and my ovary was the size of a grapefruit. So oh, they ended up God. having to take the whole, my left ovary out at 16. So wow. in hindsight, they're thinking like that probably triggered the lupus. It just no other symptoms occurred. Wow. Yeah, for me to go get checked out. Like had like maybe if I had gotten sick with something and then they tested like some kidney function test blood work, they might have found that my kidneys were starting to fail. Right. Instead of getting to the point that it's failed. Like Right. Yeah. So when I got diagnosed with the kidney disease, my kidneys were functioning between five and twenty percent. Wow, so when, you, 80 when you were 19. Yeah, I was 19. Wow. And so what did the treatment look like or what? Well, there's no lupus drug. So they they give you drugs and treatment based on your symptoms. So they borrow from other types of diseases and other types of um, just to treat your symptoms. So whatever symptoms you have. Prednisone is like the number one steroid they use for lupus but it's not preferred. So I, they tried a lot of immunosuppressants to, until they found the right cocktail. Right. So I went through like maybe three or four. The first one they had me on actually caused um, my skin to tear. So it looks like I have like um, stretch marks all over my body. Okay. So it almost looks like I used to be really large and now I shrunk. Like that's what it right, looks right. like. So they got me to stop that drug right away. And then they would try others. So I went through like three or four before they found like the right cocktail. 
And what was the prognosis at diagnosis? Oh, back in 1999, there was like no research for lupus. There was nothing like I was told that five years. The nephrologist told me like my kidneys, maybe I had like two or three years and it would fail. He wanted me to talk to my family about trans, like potential transplant. Yeah. Um, things like that. And I was just like, you know, that's such an awkward conversation to have with your family. It's like, hi. Yeah. Um, yeah, can do you I have, have yeah, yeah, can I, can I just borrow it? I'll give it back yeah. to you if you ever need it back. But uh, it was just so awkward. Plus my older siblings were married. So like that brings on like another yeah. like, facet to it. Cause like, it's not that they're hoarding organs, but what if their children need it? Or like, you know what I <laughs> no, mean? Like, I, yeah, I guess that's really <laughs> common. Like, yeah, absolutely. You know, and their um, spouse, like they, their spouse might think that or, whatnot yeah. so I, it, I just didn't want to have that conversation when I was like 19 with my family so where do you go like at 19 and you're like okay I've got five years like I don't know like what do you do with your life then how do you live life uh well it didn't stop me from doing anything like I would say I'm kind of abnormal because it didn't stop me from doing anything I wanted to do unless I was not feeling well enough to do it Right. Um, like the first few years, I was just too tired to do anything. Like I would bail on friends. I lost a lot of friends, but I gained a lot of friends. And uh-huh. then there, then I have a lot of friends that stuck it out and was super supportive. Like I'm really lucky. I have really a really great support network. But um, yeah, I just I took everything the doctor told me with a grain of salt. Like I just thought, okay, well, just because they're telling me five years doesn't mean that it's five years like it could be longer yeah at, like at the end like my kidneys lasted me like 17 19 years before wow. I needed the trans like before before they failed but because they lasted that long was probably what caused my like my amputation yeah yeah and so wow and so like so five years comes and goes, and you're still alive. At that yeah, like when a nephrologist calls me his miracle patient. Oh, like every time nice. I went to see him, he was like, "Nah, whatever you're doing, just continue doing it." I'm like, "That's wow. great," because I'm con- I'm not listening to you. Like I didn't I didn't adjust my diet. I didn't like I didn't do anything crazy. Like most people would like get the diagnosis and like be like, "Okay, now I'm not going to eat any salt. I'm not going to eat any." Right. Of this or that I'm gonna exercise I just continued doing what I wanted to do which was go to school wow like I took a semester off pardon what did you go to school for uh I wanted to be an accountant so I needed to get my commerce degree first and then okay. after that I ended up having to actually to go to Edmonton to finish off my degree Oh, okay. Because I couldn't get into the Haskane School of Business because my really crappy marks were, like, right in the middle of the 10 courses that they took your average for. Oh, okay. And so, like, I would have to continue taking, like, so many classes to get those bad marks out. Right. So I ended up applying for U of A as well as U of C, and then I got into U of A. So I just picked, like, it was never a question. I just picked up and left. My mom was like, do you really need to finish school? And I'm like, yeah. Like, like this was just, I was just so determined. It's like the one thing that I wasn't going to let lupus stop me from doing 
And, like, for the most part, it was, like, difficult because I was tired all the time. But for yeah. the most part, like, when I went to school, they had me on, like, a, a cocktail that somewhat worked. But when I was up in Edmonton, I did get really ill once. I had to have emergency surgery. Oh, wow. And then, because um, I, I got my, my intestines got um, tangled up. So they had to open me up and untangle and put my intestines back in they don't know why oh my god like is that lupus related well they if they don't have an answer to something it's lupus oh (laughs) so they'd always yeah so they'd always send me for testing to to like get things checked off the list and then at the end if there's nothing else to test for then they're just like it's lupus So how often are you, um, after you're being diagnosed, how often are you going to doctors, getting blood tests? Are you going to support groups at the same time? Oh, like back, back when I was 19. Yeah. Uh, I tried a support group, but they were so negative. Oh. <laughs> I felt so, it was so draining because it was, yeah. I just felt like it was a group of people who were just trying to one up each other with their symptoms, like. Oh. trying to like and it, that was just not me like I just never had a pity party and I just like yeah. I didn't need them to bring me down so I stopped going to that just because mm-hmm. um I didn't feel like it was helping me and I didn't feel like I needed it um yeah I coped pretty well like my doctors are just like they don't know how I stay so positive but I just don't worry like worry just doesn't come naturally for me like I have mm-hmm. to actually actively think about something to worry but through the 20 years I've never really worried about anything and like things just somehow fell into place for me that's like, really nice I, I was just really lucky I guess like I just never had to worry about money or I never had to worry about drugs because I had yeah. great doctors who would work with me like if I didn't have coverage they got me coverage they got me um sponsored by the drug company so I got free drugs so oh, that I didn't wow. have to pay for them like, I was just really blessed with such a great team of doctors that I think helped a lot. Like, I never question what their um, what they were trying to do for me. I never questioned the drugs. I never questioned anything. Like, they gave me a drug. I took it. Yeah. yeah. Like, it was never – it was just never a question for me that not taking my drugs was an option. And then, like, when I would go online to support groups, I – people stop taking their drugs when they start feeling better. I'm like, what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I just didn't understand. I was like, and then yeah. you feel crappy. And I'm like, yeah. well, maybe you shouldn't have stopped taking your drugs. Cause it takes you so long to get to that point where they're working. Yeah. Why would you yeah. stop? Like I've never, ever stopped taking any of my drugs that are prescribed yeah. by my doctor. So wow. yeah. What were some of the um, setbacks besides fatigue? Like, were you still able to, uh, travel or work you said that you were going finishing school um, yeah I pretty much normal after they got me on like a pretty good um, drug cocktail it was mm-hmm. easy like at that time WestJet just came out and my oh, friend got yeah. a job there we traveled to Vancouver for a weekend for eight dollars return oh my oh, god nice. like <laughs> we would just <laughs> it was cheaper to go to Vancouver than it was to go watch a movie and yeah like because of him yeah because of him we were able to travel so much and and because I was sick I wasn't going to school and so he put me on as his companion so I ended up just traveling 
when I was too ill to go to school, but not too ill to travel. Yeah. And oh, wow. like, there was no like restrictions or anything like that. At that time, it was just lupus. I didn't have anything else. Uh-huh. The only thing was I would have to do blood work because I'm because of the blood clot that I had in my kidneys. Yeah. Um, I was put on blood thinners, and once you're on blood thinners, you're on blood thinners for life. They they'll never take you off of it. Oh, okay. So I've been on blood thinners the whole, the whole time I've had lupus. So. Mm-hmm. And so, and you're married. Yes, I'm married. Yeah, yeah. I was lucky enough. So well, I shouldn't say that. So, <laughs> so how how did you meet your husband? His name's Danny, right? Yeah, my husband's name is Danny. I met him on eHarmony. Oh! <laughs> yeah. Um, I met him on eHarmony, and we almost missed meeting each other because when we were going through, like, eHarmony is very structured. You go through steps, like step one, step two, step three, before you get to chat openly. Oh. And I think we got to step I think we got to step two, and then I went on a golf tournament, and I crashed my golf cart and injured myself. Oh, no. So... <laughs> I wasn't even drinking, but nobody believes me. <laughs> but uh, they're like, yeah, okay, nah, you're drunk. I'm like, I wasn't even drinking. It was so cold that morning. Like, why would I even drink? It was because the grass was slick, but nobody would believe me. But yeah. I really injured myself pretty badly. So I totally forgot about him. Like, And then, thank goodness, he he didn't just kind of sweep me under the rug. He actually sent a nudge, and I'm like, oh, yeah, this guy. That's so, yeah, awesome. we met. We How met, long ago and then that. Um, this year is our tenth wedding anniversary, so eleven years. Oh wow! Eleven years ago, yeah. And so, so, did you did you tell him right away about the lupus, or was it sort of like it's not really impacting you? So, no. Oh yeah, I told him right from the beginning because, like, at that time I was like what twenty eight. Yeah, no time to play around at 28 (laughs) you gotta be straightforward like he was straightforward I was straightforward I'm like look I've got this disease disease both days are good but there will be bad days and like while we were dating I actually had a bad day and I was like in the hospital I ended up in the hospital and he stayed by my side and that's just when I knew he was the one oh that's really nice yeah wow I remember um I don't even remember what I was in the hospital for but I had an accident and he, he, I was at Foothills and he has, he was living in a condo right by the university. He ran home to grab me some boxers so I could wear them. (laughs) That's a good, that's a good catch then. (laughs) Yeah. Everybody says I'm pretty lucky. And so, so what's your journey been like through lupus and kidney disease? I know um, like you've had to have a double leg amputation. Is that the right word? Yeah, it's a bilateral. So I had a bilateral above knee amputation. And so um, why, like, what why, led to that? Yeah, what led to that? That's a good way of wording it. Um, so your like feet and your hands, um, they don't have large arteries in them. So your large arteries feed to a micro vessel system. And I'm probably butchering this. So if anybody medical is listening to this, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but at least your micro system, which is like, um, at least to your micro vessel system, which is like a lot smaller. And what happened was calcium got built up in there and just got clogged. So no blood flow could get to my feet. Oh, wow. I struggled with it for about six months before I actually lost my legs. Like I could, like my feet hurt a lot. 
like my toes and no, yeah. like nobody knew why they thought I had an ingrown toenail I went to a podiatrist and he did an ingrown toenail surgery but it still hurt afterwards they thought I had an infection and so they kept giving me like antibiotics for like six months it was ridiculous oh. and then um it was really scary for my family when it actually happened so shortly after Butter's birthday party I ended up in the hospital um and uh a doctor gave me a drug and it actually put me into a comatose state oh and they couldn't and they couldn't wake me up like they and did then, it on so, purpose or it was a bad side effect no I think he gave me a drug um no they didn't do it on purpose oh. um he gave me a drug to try to help with the pain and it ended up putting me in a in a comatose because my kidneys didn't work right so it couldn't filter out right like drugs normally so it collected in my system it put me into a comatose state and while I was in the comatose state they took my first leg oh Oh my god and then uh they had to do emergency dialysis to try to get the drug out of my system and And so who's your your voice at this point like is Danny your uh, husband like this is this is like the number one lesson we tell all our friends who are getting older is like you need to have your paperwork in order like you need to have your uh, power of attorneys and your um all your paperwork done because at that time I didn't have anybody so nobody could sign off on the surgery so two surgeons agreed and they did it so oh, wow. um so Danny wanted to do it but he didn't have the authority to sign off so they need to, the surgeon needed to find another surgeon who would agree with him that this is oh, the wow. course that they needed to take in order to do the surgery, which is the same thing that happened when I had my bowel obstructions. Okay. Because yeah. I was alone in Edmonton. Um, they just found two surgeons that said yes, and they did the surgery. Wow. So my family was family. Really, Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Go. Yeah, they, they, they were obviously scared. But when I was in the comatose state, I was kind of like um, – awake because Danny said I was doing all this stuff I was screaming like as if everybody was after me um and trying to like harm me and stuff they had to like restrain me to the bed oh my and like the whole time like I thought I was there was aliens around me like it was really weird when I came to like do you have any memory of that time um yeah like I could I remembered like everything that I was hallucinating because afterwards, like, when I wasn't hallucinating, like, in the rooms and stuff, I could kind of piece things together, like, what I was looking at that I thought was, like, an alien ship or, like, oh, um, wow. things like that. It was just really, really weird. And how long but, um, did you end up being in a comatose state for? I think, I, like, a little bit less than a week, maybe five days, four days. Wow. Like that. Felt forever for me. Yeah. But I... But I remember I was doing dialysis and I was just like talking to the nurse that was doing the dialysis treatment. And I was like calling him a name and he's like, that's not my name. I'm like, yeah, it is. Like, <laughs> like, And he's like, no, it's not. And I was like, dad, that's his name. And I was like crying for my dad. And, like, oh, no. The whole time and stuff. Like, yeah, it was pretty traumatizing for my family, I think. Yeah. Wow. Like, so what was waking up to one less leg like? My family was really scared of that. Like, yeah. they were really scared, like, what would happen. Like, I would be like, oh, my leg's gone. But, like, we had talked about doing an amputation prior to this all happening. Oh, okay. So I think in my head, I already thought maybe it's going to happen. Right. Uh-huh. But, um, 
But yeah, I woke up and I was fine. And that's when I cracked the leg joke. And my brother was like, too soon. Because like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, like, I didn't recognize them. Oh. Like, my siblings. And, like, my I rem- my sister came in and she was like, do you know who I am? And I was like, no. And then her son would come step out behind from behind her. I'm like, oh, hey, Brayden, how's it going? And they're like, what? Whoa. You remember my offspring, but you don't remember me. So it was, like, really odd. So when yeah. I cracked my first, my first legless joke, Everybody kind of like the whole room was like, "Oh, she's back." <laughs> kind of like, kind of like weight off our shoulders. She's totally normal because they were really scared that something neurologically would be permanent. Right. right. And I was just no. like, "No, if anything, I became more offensive." So yeah. <laughs> the filter's gone now. <laughs> yeah, the filter's really gone now. I'm like, if you're gonna, if you're gonna be offended by something someone who doesn't have legs says, then. You're too yeah. sensitive. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And so how much longer from the first leg amputation did you have the second one? Well, for the first leg amputation, so what they do with amputations, they try to save every joint they can. Oh, okay. So they actually started with below the knee, and then the infection didn't get better. Oh. So for the first, my first leg amputation, it actually took them, I think, four surgeries. Oh my! Before God. it got to like my final destination, yeah. And then the second one, my foot literally died over three days. Like my foot went wow. from white to black over three days. Like one resident saw me, and then she came the next time, and she's like, "Oh my God, what is wrong with your foot?" Oh. And the the doctors were trying so hard to save it, but it was yeah. it was like long gone. Like they were really reaching. And finally, um, a physiatrist came, and he's like an amputation specialist. Like he, he's the one who takes care of my prosthetics and stuff like that now. Yeah. But uh, he came in, and he's like, "Nope, that leg's got to go. Like it's gone. Like there's no saving it." So, wow. Um, that was when I was just like, "Well, that leg was useless. Like it was, like a, I only had one leg, but I was dragging it. Like it couldn't move on its own." So right. when they said to take it, I'm like, just take it. Like, and then yeah. they ended up having, so they tried to save the knee. So they did the first surgery as below the knee, but the, the surgical wound wouldn't heal. So then they had to go higher. So the higher you go, the larger the blood vessels. So the larger the blood vessels, the more chance of blood flowing there to heal. Right. Yeah. So they ended up going above knee for both. Wow. But I swear a student did the second leg because the first leg is beautiful and the second leg looks like they butchered it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but oh you wow. never see the surgeon again. That's the weird thing about surgery. Like oh, the surgeons do the surgery yeah. and then they just leave. Like, um, they're like, okay, like, my I never... done. Yeah, exactly. And then they, they leave instructions for the nurse. You clean it this many times, you do this, and then the nurses take out the stitches. Oh, well, wow. they, sta- they stapled it. Yeah. But... I remember one nurse was taking out the staples and she was crying the whole time because I was crying because oh. it was hurting. Oh, and so she was crying too. I'm like, don't cry. It's okay. <laughs> just do it. Just get it over with. And she was like trying to be like so sensitive. Like, just tear it out. Just rip oh. it off like a band-aid. Oh, God. That's true though. Like every surgeon has to have their first surgery, right? So right. Maybe that was that was the other leg. Wow. In hindsight, I should have asked for the main surgeon to do it because I'm pretty sure if you request it, they can't say no. Right. Oh. <laughs> Get the same guy. Because now I look back, I'm like, I wonder if I had said no, I want the, 
I want my legs to match. Yeah. <laughs> I should have said that. I want my legs to match. Oh my. And the surgeon God. always listened to Taylor Swift. Like every surgery I went into what? with Taylor Swift was playing. Oh, Because wow. they always play music in the opera. So now yeah. do you like hate Taylor Swift or do you have like a fond? No, no, no. No, I'm fine. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Um, yeah. That's, and so what was it like? So, like, I don't even know. Like, they, <laughs> you're in the hospital, you cut off your legs, and now what? Oh, I think I was, like, in denial for a while because they're under the blanket, right? Yeah. And, like, um, like, I had to learn how to do things again. Like, I have this thing my husband likes to call poosiety. <laughs> Um, I'm very anxious when I need to go number two, like if I'm in public or if I'm at, or, or if I have guests over, like, I'm like, are they, are they thinking that I'm pooing in here because I'm just peeing? Like I have what my husband likes to call poosiety. Yeah. (laughs) So when I had my surgeries, I, I had to learn how to like go to the washroom without legs and things like that, like that. And I wasn't strong enough to lift my body weight yet. Mm -hmm. So it was very, um, it was very humbling yeah. and huge respect for the nursing staff. Wow. Uh, and so when you, there was like, nothing I could do. Yeah. yeah. I remember that same feeling after I had my first child and mm-hmm. you know, after it, they're like, do you want to shower or do you want us to just clean you up? And I'm thinking like, what? Like, and they're like, we'll just help you. And I, and I was, so then I had to like, they like showered me and it's like, Oh my God. Like you don't even realize like what nurses really have to do and see. And it's incredible. The, I don't know. I, it takes a special person to be a nurse and just do what they do and see what they see. Mm -hmm. And it is such a humbling experience to be like, well, I just gave birth and now some stranger is giving me a shower. Like it's just so bizarre. (laughs) And it's not a shower that you get from a spa. Yeah. It's like, yeah, and then you're, definitely... you realize that you do it every day, you know, with mm-hmm. so many people. So when I stayed in the hospital, I always stayed on the nephrology unit, and that unit, I swear, like those were nurses are running, oh, and wow. um, their nursing assistants do try to help out as much as they can, but I, if I didn't have my family there, like there was one time I was sitting on the toilet waiting for someone to come help me. And nobody showed up for like two hours. Oh my god! Like that's how busy they were. And then I had to like, once again, become humbling to my parents, like yeah, to right. accept their help and like to, like even accept Danny's help, even because yeah. Because what was that like? Like when, like developing, moving your relationship. You're still married, but like he's obviously yeah. take on some of the caregiving. Yeah. Oh, he he definitely was a lot of the caregiving. Like. Um, when, when I was just, sorry, (laughs) it's either dogs or kids that we have in probably almost every episode. So we're used to it. (laughs) No, um, Danny definitely really stepped up. Like he's never, ever made me feel like a burden ever. Um, he's always the first to offer to help. And the good thing too, is he allows a lot of autonomy where I want it. Like he only assists when I ask. Whereas my parents are like helicopter parents. Like, no, we'll do it for you. Like, even now, like, three years later, they're still the same way. But, um, yeah, no, he's so supportive. And so they're like, we, when we 
left the hospital, got discharged. I was in the hospital for about four or five months. I wow. got discharged right before my birthday. But um, we couldn't go back to our house. Like, our house was, like, one of those, like, in the, the newer neighborhoods, cookie-cutter, yeah. super narrow. Like, there's no way we could have made the hallways larger um, or anything like that. So we ended up, um, while I was still in hospital, because you, your home has to be ready before they discharge you. Okay. So all my all my brothers and my dad um, built, in one weekend, built a ramp in their garage so that I could get into the house. Oh, wow. And then, because um, their house is like a two-story, but a larger two-story, so the main floor had a den. So they changed out their den to be our bedroom. And uh, oh, Danny wow. and, so his parents, they live in Toronto. They flew back to help him pack up our house. Oh, and so that God. we could list it to sell. Like, I never got to go back oh, into my God. house after that. And wow. I never got to pack my stuff. Yeah. Like, I just had whatever I had. And then, um, yeah, we ended up living with my parents for almost two years. And wow. you guys moved... built a house, right? Yeah, we just moved out last July. Yeah, we ended up buying a lot. And while I was still in the hospital, Danny found a lot to buy. And then he started doing the work to start constructing a, um, an accessible home. Wow. And so, cause I remember talking to him, um, and he like, while working full time kind of took on this like project lead of building the house, right? Like just ensuring that it was all getting done. Well, we ended up being the project, the contractor. So right. yeah. I did whatever I could at home. Like I would call things, book things, buy things, get things delivered. They, yeah. then he would just be my legs. Um, wow. luckily he run owns a, an IT company, so him and his partner. Okay. So his partner, like, he, he's able to do his own scheduling, okay. which helped a lot with when I was in the hospital. That was what enabled him to be there to help me all the time. So yeah. I, I always had somebody with me in the hospital, which the nurses are, are, like, so thankful for. They're like, you guys are so helpful. Like, I was – and we were joking one day. I'm like, my dad's my nursing, my nursing aide. And they're like, oh, really? At which <laughs> hospital? My dad's, like <laughs> – for my daughter yeah (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but uh but yeah he just did everything and he bought it he bought an accessible van because I needed a way to get home yeah um yeah he was he was but I think he was like go 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 that he couldn't really deal with what had happened because he was just so busy yeah yeah and were you working at the time that you yeah. went into the hospital? Um, yeah. So I started my disability in December of 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I've been on disability ever since. So wow. I used and to work as an accountant for an oil and gas company. So. And did you think you would be going back to work? Like, was that the plan? Well, yeah, I thought, like, I could do that. But then my kidneys failed. So when they um, discharged me from my being amputated, a month later I was back in the hospital for another, I think another month because my kidneys failed when I went home. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Were you on dialysis? Well, not yet. So when they did emergency dialysis to clear that drug out of my system, but I didn't need it. Right. Right. Like they were just helping my, my kidneys. But they were still working like they were before I lost my legs. And then I went home and I did my blood work, like my monthly blood work, like I always do. Yeah. And then my nephrologist calls me. He goes, 
um, now you need to get yourself to the emergency room. I'm like, why? He goes, he goes, your uh, creatinine is like at 800. So um, usually it's under 100 for a healthy person. And then I go, well, can I have dinner first? Or like, can I go later on? Like how, how emergent, like how emergency is this? And he goes, no, you go now. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess it's an emergency. (laughs) I always ask. Yeah, so when I went back, everybody still knew me because I stayed in the nephrology oh. unit. And the nurses are like, oh, my God, you're back. And they're like, what's wrong now? And they're like, oh, my God, your kidneys fell. Like, they felt so bad for you. Like, you lost your legs and now you lose your kidneys. Yeah. And was that something that was anticipated because you already had the, the damage to your kidneys? Was it kind of only a matter of time you would fail? Yeah, at some point it would fail. But um, when we first got married in 2010... We actually wanted to try to have children. Okay. Um, but because of the cocktail I was on, um, we couldn't try right away. And so we worked with the high-risk pregnancy clinic. Uh-huh. Um, they, they rejigged my cocktail, but then um, my kidney started failing then. Oh. And then um, it got to the point where they got me on the transplant list in 2010. And then they put me back on my cocktail and my kidneys bounced back. So then oh. they just put me on hold on the list. Okay. And oh, that's so, good. yeah. And then, so when my kidneys failed in 2017, um, I ended up on dialysis. And then my family then put all, they all went to try to get tested to see who could, who, if any, could donate a kidney. Uh-huh. And unfortunately, nobody matched because over the 20 years with bloopers, I've had various blood infusions. Oh, and uh, so with every blood infusion, um, it's almost like adding another person into the mix. Wow! So it it was just really hard to match. Yeah, and so so then you you guys started a campaign because I remember seeing it on Facebook to find mm-hmm. match, right? Yeah, we did. We started a campaign because um, at that time we saw it on the news and stuff, and my friends were like, "Well, why not? Like, just raise awareness." Yeah. So we did that. Like, I reached out to get some billboards, and then the um, uh, Patterson Signs donated some billboard time. Oh, wow. For my campaign and stuff. And then while my campaign was still running, I got called into the surgeons um, to see them, and uh, um, that they that's when they told me they found a living donor for me. Oh wow! And was yeah. do you know if it's because of the campaign or was it? No, I don't think it was because of the campaign. It was just because um, there's something called a chain. It's kind of like uh, one person says they will donate on the condition of something. Okay. So I was at the end of the chain. So um, the person who donated to me, they were on the condition that their loved one would get a kidney on the condition that they would donate their kidney. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, and then I was at the end of this chain, wow. and so I got this kidney that matched, which was a miracle mm-hmm. that it matches, and uh, yeah, we, they called us in, and I think it was in June, and we got the surgery done in July. Yeah, because it was pretty, it was less than a year ago, right? Yeah, it's, yeah, less than a year. And so, but it's, have you met that person? No, they want to remain totally anonymous. Oh, wow. I did walk the hallways trying to figure it out, but I don't think they were on the unit. Because <laughs> I was like, um, 
there's a monk at my mom's temple. He got a kidney transplant, and before the kidney transplant, he never drank coffee. But after the kidney transplant, he started craving coffee. Oh, funny. So they think that, you know, like your kidney has muscle memory. Yeah. yeah. And so Danny said, if the kidney I'm getting is a vegan and I turn vegan, that's means for divorce. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, okay, well, let's hope I still like meat on the other side. Oh, my gosh. That's too funny. <laughs> and so have you yeah. had any of those like weird changes? Well, it's well, I've never been a sweet person, but now I crave chocolate. Oh, funny. oh that's so I know, interesting. So I know it was a woman because the anesthesiologist slipped up and referred to the person as a she. Oh, wow. And so I know it was a woman. I don't know how old or anything like that, but I know it was a woman. So when I started craving chocolate, I'm like, well, obviously she's a stereotypical woman. Yeah. Who loves coffee. Because oh, I didn't like chocolate prior to now. We always have chocolate bars in the house, which is bad, but. That's so funny. That makes me think, like, yeah. if, I, if I ever had to donate my kidney to anyone, they would want to eat, like, chocolate and salt and vinegar <laughs> chips. And... <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's so interesting. Yeah. Wow. And so yeah. you – so I remember seeing something about – did you have trouble with your fingers or – Oh, yeah, I did. I started losing my fingertips. So on my left hand, I've actually lost two tips. Wow. And two tips just means goes to the first knuckle? Like the nail? Yeah, like just to the first. Like the first bendy part? So, yeah. But the fingers are, um, they can't straighten now. So okay. they're, they're always bent. Yeah. Wow. But it stops. Like, um, I was in the, in the year before I got the, the um, I was on dialysis and I had to do it five days a week because they were trying to prevent my me from losing my hands. So the, yeah. the more often I did dialysis, the less likely the calcium would build up because they would be getting rid of a lot of it. So oh, yeah. most people only do three, um, like dialysis three times a week, but I was doing it five and the only way I could do it five was to do home dialysis. I was going to say, did you have to go into the hospital every time? No, because, well, they have community units for dialysis. But if you're in the community, you can only do it three times. Oh. So in order for me to do it five times, my doctor had to refer me to the home dialysis. So they actually come and they set up a dialysis machine at home. And oh. me and Danny would uh, set it up every time I had to do dialysis. Wow. Oh, wow. Like, things yeah. you never thought you'd have to know. Like, yeah. Like, how to set up a dialysis machine. <laughs> yeah, so they trained me, my dad, and Danny. So my dad was, like, a backup in case Aww. Danny couldn't be there. Yeah. Yeah. And then I would hook myself up. Are there negative side effects to dialysis? Um. Well, you feel really tired afterwards. Well, they were hoping if I was at home doing dialysis, I could do it at night for eight oh. hours. Like, oh, five times a day while I'm sleeping but I just okay. couldn't sleep so I ended up staying up all night and then like the next day I felt really tired and sick so my nephrologist was like well if four or five hours works for you let's stick to that then so yeah. I ended up just doing it for four four or five hours depending on how I felt that day okay. wow and you don't you have to get dialysis anymore because you have a new kidney right that that's correct so my kidney Whoever donated to me, thank you. Took very good care of it. That or they're really young, because yeah. like my nephrologist said from blood work, you would never know that I have kidney disease. 
Oh, wow. Because it's functioning as two kidneys, even though I only have one functioning kidney. So wow. we've been really lucky. And so could the lupus potentially attack that kidney? Yeah, that's always a, okay. an, a risk. Right. But, yeah. as, but as long as the, I'm on drugs, which I am, like it just so happens that the drugs for anti-rejection are the same drugs I would take for lupus. Oh. Um, hopefully, um, because they're both suppressing your immune system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then hopefully the lupus won't. It'll decrease the chances of the lupus uh, attacking my kidney. Were you extra susceptible with COVID? Um, I've been home since. I haven't, yeah. I've only left my house to go do blood work. Okay. And uh, that's about it. And doctor's okay. appointments. But most of them have turned into home, though, like phone calls. How long um, do you need to be on anti-rejection drugs? Uh, forever. Forever. Oh, wow. As long as this kidney lasts. Yeah. So a living donor kidney lasts, any, I think, anything between 5 and 15 years. Oh, oh wow. Yeah, because a kidney, people don't know, but a kidney transplant isn't a cure for kidney disease. It's just a treatment. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. And they attach it. They don't take anything out. So your body could hold up to eight kidneys, I think. What? Eight or ten. Yeah. So they just keep attaching it along the 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 vein between your I don't know why that makes your... me so uncomfortable That's to think about so that. That's so weird. So right now I have three kidneys in me. Oh. Oh, I just thought, like, I just they would like you know like when you get a new fridge they like bring it in and then they take (laughs) that's what i thought too but no they said it's it's too dangerous to take it out so they just leave it in there wow wow that's really man the body is weird Mm -hmm. so my kidney is like right next to my like right ovary i don't know why they didn't put it on the left side but the 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 veins must have been better on the left side the right side of my body oh yeah wow so weird like how much independence do you have so you're in a wheelchair mm-hmm. you have prosthetics right like I do but like since I had kidney disease it's really hard to train on them because when mm-hmm. like when I was on dialysis like one day yeah. my legs would be bigger from water oh, retention and then some days it would be smaller so it was really difficult for the prosthesis to get them fitting properly right and like for some reason the leg that the student did, this is an assumption. I don't know if a student did, <laughs> the main surgeon could have done it. Oh, my God, if she's listening, I'm sorry. Um, uh, the the one that, my second leg that I lost, for some reason, there's not enough the skin and fat covering my bone. Oh. So the bone rubs against the prosthesis and Ouch. it really hurts. So when I was when I was training on them, but once I can train on them again, it'll be starting from scratch again. So and do you like? Is it worth it? Like, do you, is that something that you want to do? No, I've no. asked so many times because I'm I'm like so old, and I wasn't fit before. You're so old. Um, <laughs> I just don't like. I I just ask, what's the point? They're like, well, you need to get off your bottom every now and then, right? And then it's just really just to take some weight off of the off off of you sitting on your butt all the time. Okay. So, so once and if I ever get to that point, I would be able to maybe like wear them while I'm cooking in the kitchen, maybe, or something like that. But definitely not anything that I would wear all day long. Right. Like you're not gonna go walk the dogs. Mm -hmm. And so, so what's your um, what is your independence like now? So you're in a wheelchair. Can you 
drive, take the dogs out. Um, I can't take the dogs out because my dogs are crazy. <laughs> um, and I'm just not comfortable taking them out. Um, I'm always afraid like I'll run over their their leash, right? Because they run around my wheelchair. So I don't typically take the dogs out by myself. Um, okay. I can drive. I've driven by myself before if I'm going from point A to point B and someone's meeting me at point B. Right. I've never really gone out out by myself. Well, because there would be the whole matter of like getting the wheelchair back out, right? Um, well, I'm on a power chair, so I can get into my chair and I transfer onto the driver's seat. So the driver's seat is actually swings back. Oh, so I swing okay. it back and I transfer onto it and then I swing back forward and it's got hand control so I can drive. Oh, wow. I don't know if I should. My friends are like, you didn't drive very well with legs. You want to just drive with hands. <laughs> like, I probably drive my... And then I used to carpool with my one friend and we went for, out for dinner one night. And then she goes, you're actually a better driver now with hands than <laughs> with legs. Oh, my God. <laughs> But I was like, okay, thanks. I never knew I was a bad driver, but now everybody's telling me I was. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm better. But yeah. yeah. Funny. Yeah. Wow. Thanks. Like, what do you think has your been your? I don't know. Like, biggest lesson, life lesson. You just have such a good attitude about it. Yeah. Uh, you just gotta laugh because things happen for a reason, and if you're just negative, then the things that are supposed to follow up after it will just be bad. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like if you just not- have a positive attitude, things like you're not as stressed out. Like I'm pretty sure my positive attitude helped my kidneys last as long as they did because I wasn't stressed out. Right. Yeah. Well, and you're not a victim to your circumstances, right? You're you're overcoming oh, for sure them not. positive and yeah, it probably helped your healing and and all of that. Well, and it probably helps the people around you, your friends and family, be a little okay. bit more at ease, right? With your situation. For sure. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Like, they're educated. They know when I'm not feeling well and they understand. Mm-hmm. And, um, like, because they've been, like, now most of my friends I've known 10 plus years. I don't think I've made any new friends. Like, as adults, I think it's really hard to make new friends. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, all my friends I've known 10 plus years. My best friend I've known since grade 7. So, like, oh, she's, wow. she lives out east, but she flew out when I lost my legs and wow. things like that. Like, I just have a really great support network. That's key to, like, I don't yeah. think I could have done this at all by myself. Like, I can't even imagine if I lost my legs and I was at, in the hospital by myself. Like, you would yeah. just feel so defeated because yeah. the nurses were just so busy, they can't tend to you all the time. Like, if I didn't have Danny and I didn't have my parents always there with me, I don't, like, I would probably feel defeated and I would feel probably, like, more negative. Yeah. But uh, I just have such great support. There's no reason for me to be sad. Yeah, yeah. That's a really, really great way to look at things. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, no, this was so... This was so informative and really cool. Um, you've got such a good attitude. And, like, mm-hmm. I love that you can, like, make jokes and laugh. Mm-hmm. Do you find you... I do cry, but not yeah. very often. <coughs> um, my number one key is I'll let myself feel what I need to feel, but not for my, for long. Ah, Yeah, and then and, you uh, pick yourself up and move on. Yeah, I think the first time I cried in the hospital was the first time I got 
onto a wheelchair and I, I didn't have my legs and uh, my mom was helping me wash my hair and then I looked in the mirror and then that's when I realized that oh. they weren't there anymore Yeah. and then I just started crying and my mom was going to console me my dad's like no just leave her alone with me she'll Aww. be fine well, and so, but sometimes it's important to just like let yourself let, yeah. feel that and mm-hmm. you gotta yeah you gotta move through it so I just relate to that and, so much with the with the humor like my husband and I would crack jokes all the time and laugh about probably inappropriate things but it helped us get through so much and after losing him that's what I still need to do you know I need to mm-hmm. and and I can't live in I mean I don't cry very often and I can't like you said be there for too long because it's it's not mm-hmm. a productive thing for me i just need to be able to no. like keep pushing forward and, keep laughing and you've got five little people that need you you don't have exactly. time to do that exactly. <laughs> Literally, there's no time, there's no, time. <laughs> there's no time even during covid there's still no time for that no. yeah no because they're all here <laughs> exactly i just I just always say that, like, my emotions impact myself just as much as they impact people around me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, just because they're not going through it doesn't mean that they're not having a hard time. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And, um, like, I always feel bad for my family because it's easy for me to go under six, seven times for surgery. They're the ones sitting out there for nine-plus hours just waiting. Yeah. Wow, you're right. To hear, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, oh, it's, yeah. it's definitely harder for the support the, I was going to call them support staff, but the, for this, <laughs> your support network, like they're the ones sitting on p- pins and needles. Like when you go in for surgery, you go to sleep, like, yeah. and then you wake up. Like that's yeah. about it. Thank you so much for taking this time to chat with us. Yeah. Thank you for asking. I yeah. had to laugh. Like we kind of laughed a little bit when you were like, you're like, I don't know. Like, do I even have anything to say? And I was like, um, nah, like, <laughs> I think I think you have a few things to talk about. <laughs> Hey, I'm gonna listen to this audio. I'm gonna go, Danny. Butter cried throughout the whole taping. <laughs> Little shut she up. She never cried. Like this is so weird. She just wants to be on the podcast. She just wants to be listening. <laughs> yeah, got a story too. She's like, I did not sign up for this, guys. <laughs> she definitely did not because she was only one when this happened, and she was such a good dog. And we had I had a family dog, that senior dog named Peanut, and then um, she ended up going to live with Peanut and got all of his bad. <laughs> characteristics yeah and uh and he was a senior at the time so she became a really lazy puppy and she's still lazy at four. Oh my but uh God. but yeah she got all the bad things now she barks at things when she never barked at things before and <laughs> oh sorry no that's okay we'll let you go we'll let you get that okay thank okay, you bye, no, bye thank okay, you bye nice meeting you guys you too. too bye is it always red yeah oh on this one. Oh, okay. Holy crapola, you guys. Uh, I just got a message sent to me. My psycho ex is on another dating site. So now I need to figure out a way to warn everybody. Ugh. Hide your kids. Hide your wives. He's so disgusting. I just want him to barf every time Ugh. I look at his face. I don't know if this will actually make the podcast episode. Because, like, what if he's listening? Yeah. Well, I think he already knows he's a piece of shit. I don't think he needs us to tell him that. I know. I Somebody sent it, his profile to me and I said, funny how he forgot to mention that he's a sociopath with an extensive jan- dangerous criminal record who was diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder. Mm-hmm. I mean, you only have so many characters. Yeah, I mean, you can't fit it all in, You right? can't fit it all in. You gotta snatch him up. He needed to make sure he told everyone that he's an athlete. Oh, 
barf. All right, well, I'll give Anywho. you some CBD in a minute. Anywho, so we just interviewed Na. Mm-hmm. That was so interesting. I love it her was. sense of humor. I do, too. She's so positive, and I just relate a lot to her about just the way that she, like, deals with things, where yeah. the when she was talking about going to support groups and how it's not for her, I feel the same way. I feel like... Like, on Dead to Me, like, when Christina Applegate goes to the support group and everyone's, like, so emotional and she's just, like, (laughs) I would, I want to go to a support group with you, but, like, just to watch your face. Mm -hmm. Because you couldn't control it. No, I would be annoyed the entire time. I would be so annoyed. And it's, like, that's so not fair. Yeah. Because everyone's allowed to be sad about their situation, but I think I would just be so annoyed. And... You know, my life has been turned upside down. Life got switched. Turned I was just down. about to start saying that. <laughs> but I feel more like, kind of like, nah, like where I'm not going to let it defeat me. Yeah. I'm going to keep moving forward. Um, like cry sometimes. Yeah, I'll cry then... sometimes. I'll laugh the other time. And I just need to keep moving forward because, I mean, what's the point of just yeah being sad all the time? That's it's no not fun. Good. No. Nobody wants to be around you when you're sad all the time. I, I mean, I still would be around you. Yeah, I guess. But I would judge it. It would be less fun. Yeah, that was a really, yeah, I really liked it. And um, sorry that Butter barked a lot, (laughs) but as you guys probably can tell from our other episodes, we are interrupted with background noise a lot. I mean, she was just going through it. She's just going through something. We have to, we have to understand that. Yeah. She just wanted her voice to be heard. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, if you guys have not already, please, um... Do you follow somebody on Instagram? Yeah, follow, follow us, us on, Instagram. on Instagram at I did not sign up for this dot podcast, and like us on Facebook. Yeah, at I did not sign up for this. I also think we need to tell people or strongly suggest that people subscribe to us on whatever podcast they're listening to us on. Yeah, because then whenever we um, put out content, it just automatically downloads. Yeah, and you will see it. So, I mean, I think most people do that, but just in case, if you if you want us to show up our new episodes to show up on your podcast feed, then make sure you subscribe. Yeah. And, um, give us a review. We're now at the point where we're like asking people to leave us reviews on like Apple podcasts or wherever you listen. It's super helpful. Um, and tell your friends about us. Yeah. If you like us, if you like our stories, if you think we're funny, um, then, then share it. (laughs) Awkward silence. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. okay, bye. Let's go see what your kids are showing us. All right. Bye. I'm sure it's amazing. <laughs>